The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. Deep down the middle's got his man, and he's gone. Jason Swain, touchdown. It's time for the Swain Event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. It's time for the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Get into his house and a red flag. Event.com, fueled by Daddy and Barbecue. Top watching barbecue restaurant in America. It is a rainy Thursday in Knoxville, Tennessee, but it does not matter. That's why we have a practice field. That's why we have indoor facilities. Still get work done. It will be practice number two. Ben McKee, go balls two, four, seven. Man, how good was that, Ben? yesterday to be able to just sit there on that beautiful grass and just watch football being being played man how beautiful was that man good morning good morning it was it was absolutely b-e-a-utiful is what it was and uh i'm it's it's something that makes me really happy to sit there and watch one-on-ones yep DVs going up against receivers and, and a little bit of 11 on 11. But then I remember that I will not see any of that again until spring practice. So uh, I enjoyed my eight periods yesterday uh, more than, than you know. It was good, man. It was great. I'm talking about the grass. The grass was great. But what a one! The grass was beautiful. I mean that that looked like Major League Baseball grass is what that grass looked like. They whatever they did to to the grass, they it, it's just amazing how far Tennessee has come. I mean it, it feels like yesterday Tennessee couldn't get the right grass on the practice field or in Neyland Stadium, and and, and there were patches. I, I don't know if you've seen, but uh, there was a a soccer match at the Chicago Bears Stadium last night. And the grass looked absolutely horrific. Uh, so they, they better not uh, tear my boy Kari Blazingame's ACL on, on their terrible grass or, or Darnell Wright or Valus Jones or, or Justin Fields. But it feels like yesterday that that was an issue in, in Neyland Stadium, the, the grass not looking the way that it that it should. And now the grass on the practice field is as beautiful as grass in, in a major league stadium. Uh, the, the strength coach, that, that was an issue for so many years. and my goodness, is Kurt Schmidt good at his job? Because the, them boys, whoo, they, they look good. I mean, they, they are absolutely rock solid, trimmed down, in, in great shape, great physical condition. Uh, you, you can see why Tennessee has started to turn the page as, as a program because all those little things like grass, that, that sounds silly to talk about, but it's it's just a culmination of of little things adding up to one final uh, result. Uh, that, that's kind of the way that I look at it. 
first, I just I just want to continue to give some love to uh, Roger Frazier, who celebrated his birthday yesterday, uh, the head equipment manager, and he's been with the University of Tennessee equipment team for 44 years. So think about this. For 44 years on his birthday, he has spent his day in fall camp. That is dedication. That is passion. That's a love for the university that a lot of us can identify with. A lot of us have. Um, most of us are not in the position that Roger Frazier is in, where you're actually working at the University of Tennessee inside of the athletic program. But a lot of us share the same passion and love for for Tennessee. But a uh, big shout-out to Roger Frazier, who had his birthday yesterday. Also, it was the Kai Ziegler, who had his birthday yesterday. But he's spending his birthday a little bit differently than Roger Frazier uh, did yesterday. Roger, Roger Frazier spent his on the practice field like he's done the last 44 years. And Zakai Ziegler spending his, spent his birthday in freaking Italy. So I want to uh, make sure we start the show giving love to uh, Roger Frazier for celebrating his birthday and uh, Zakai Ziegler. 865-255-03 is our telephone number to the Swain Event Hotline. I'm live in the low-T... Uh, center, studio, Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. Uh, obviously, was at practice yesterday. Uh, got a chance to watch several several periods. Uh, route versus air. One-on-one. Team, which I don't know what you could take from the team periods with no pads, other than who's lining, who's lining up with the first team. Anything stand out to you, Ben, with some of the personnel that you were able to observe when viewing the first-team offense, first-team defense during the team period? My my two biggest takeaways weren't really personnel-related. It, it was just, again, how great they all looked. I mean, uh, Kurt Schmidt is doing such a phenomenal job in, in, the, in the weight room, and I love how he goes about his business in the sense of he, he wants zero spotlight put on him he does not want to do interviews he wants to be left alone in in his dungeon and in in his cage and in his laboratory and just work with the guys and I mean it's the guys just look awesome physically Uh, so that was the the biggest thing that stood out to me on top of they and they kind of go hand in hand but they look like an SEC football team and again I know that sounds so simple and it's year three, uh, but even for year three, it, it just looks so much different uh, than than year one. And, and even last year's training camp, uh, a team that went on to win uh, 11 football games. And, and I don't say that to, to disrespect last year's team and, and overall talent, but it, it just seems to be more of a complete team from top to bottom. I, I feel like last year's team was more top heavy and this year's team is, is more spread out in terms of guys in great physical condition, guys that you think can play uh, and just the overall energy uh, across the football field. Uh, they, they look like what an sec football team is, is supposed to from top to bottom. Th- does that mean that they're where they're, they need to be in, in order to go win a, a championship and, and, and compete for a championship? I, I, I guess they've already been competing for a championship last year, and I, I think they'll compete for a championship this year. So I guess I should say, are they where they need to be to go win a championship? Probably not. Like, they're, they're, 
they're still in year three. It was an absolute mess that that this staff took over. Like the, there are still issues with with some depth and and some places that that need to continue to get better as they currently are. Um, but just the the overall look of the team, the the confidence, the energy. Uh, how physical they look, and just the, the great shape that they appear to be in. That was the thing that stood out to me the most, Swain, and, and kind of the thing that I was paying attention to most, honestly, just because of like what you said, uh, at least in the trenches, O-line, D-line play, like how much are you going to take away uh, from um, what they're doing without pads on? You, you can't evaluate linemen w- without pads on. I mean, it's it's that simple. I guess you can see if guys are in good shape and like you said, you, you can see personnel uh, kind of um, where they're lining up with the ones, the twos, the threes. Uh, but but even on the first day of, of training camp, that, that doesn't mean a, a ton to me. I think it is noteworthy, like Gerald Mincy running with the second team uh, to begin things was a, a, a little surprising uh, to, to me. Uh, Ali Lane, I, I, the first team. What, what's that? See Ali Lane at left guard? Yeah, that, that wasn't too surprising to me just because he's been playing college football for 20 years now and he's been here the the longest i i don't think two weeks from now ollie lane is going to be the the starting left guard maybe so um but i i feel like that was more of a first day of camp type of thing and the guys competing for that job are, are more newcomers and and learning on the fly uh but yes that that was certainly noteworthy uh for sure uh, I and I didn't spend a ton of time with, with the offensive line and, and defensive line. Uh, I, I I kind of watched the the D line go through a drill. I, I watched the the linebackers go through a drill because I wanted to see what Arian Carter looked like, and he's maybe a little shorter than we expected when we saw him in in person, Swain. Uh, but he 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 looks like a he looks like a football player. He he looks like a dude. Uh, you, you see why at least physically why Tennessee and, and Alabama wanted him. He, he looks like one of those traditional SEC linebackers that, that maybe Tennessee's been lacking. Um, but uh, aside from that, and I spent time with the DBs, wanted to see kind of w- what some of those guys looked like. One thing that really stood out to me is Jalen McCullough. You know, he is, he's a guy that uh, is a hot topic amongst fans, but he absolutely has one of the loudest voices on the team. Like it's Joe Milton and it's Jalen McCullough. Those are the two guys breaking down the team, talking to the team, uh, leading throughout practice and encouraging guys. Uh, Joe Milton said his little bit uh, right there before they broke the the initial team huddle. But then it was Jalen McCullough who who had even more to say and a a lengthier message to the team as they were breaking down and, and going into individual drills and uh, that that's that alone is not surprising. I guess it was more of a, of a reminder because all offseason long we've heard, oh, we don't want to see Jalen McCullough play and this and that. But amongst his teammates, he he's very well respected and, and highly thought of, and, and he is without a doubt one of the the loudest voices on the team. And, and the last thing for you, Swain, is your, your receiver room. Uh, Ramel Keaton to me looks like. The, the best receiver and, and again i i saw him for five minutes catching routes on air and you know it, it maybe i shouldn't say that given the, the small sample size that, that i saw but no, you can say that. He, he just looks really good he he looks like a the veteran that he is he, he's got a lot of confidence i i think he's running uh quicker 
Uh, and maybe that is because of just confidence alone and, and not really thinking while he's playing. Uh, he, he showed great hands. I mean, he just looks really, really good to me. I thought Jacob Warren looked good. Uh, I, I didn't realize he slimmed down maybe as much as he has. Uh, he, he looked a little like he's got a little more giddy up in, in his rear end and uh, slimmed down, looked good running around. Uh, Dante Thornton, you, you see why there's been a lot of buzz generated. Uh, around his name, Squirrel looked really good running around. Rue looked good. Uh, I, I thought those guys looked good. And uh, Joe Milton and, and Nico, I, I thought they had great command of the drills that they were running as well. They, they looked like I expected them to look. Uh, so overall, I was I was very Im- impressed. And again, first day of camp, take it with a grain of salt. I don't get to see everything. Uh, but what, what I did get to see, I, I was very impressed by. Day one of fall camp was yesterday we'll continue the conversation about what we saw uh day two is, is today so hey okay, we can talk about is what actually took place what happened uh and that was the first day of fall camp uh today 865-255-03 we'll be right back The Swain event is brought to you by Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant, Dead End Barbecue. Check them out online at deadendbbq.com. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go. Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris, at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Guys, let me talk to you here. If you've noticed a lack of energy, motivation, and drive, it could be Low-T. Schedule your complete health assessment at Low-T Center. They now offer the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for just $155 a month cash pay or covered by most health insurance. If you don't live near Low-T Center or you just want the convenience of an at-home treatment, Low-T Center makes it easy shipping your treatments directly to you with the peace of mind of monitored treatment. Go to LowTCenter.com to book your appointment online. Low-T Center, reinventing men's health care.
Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. I'm Jason Swain, live here from the Low T Center Studio. Hit us up on the Beatty Chevrolet text box. Questions, comments that you may have, we will get to that as quick as we can during the show. I love fall camp as a spectator. Oh, love it as a spectator. Go what, up there. What was your the, favorite part of fall camp, Swain? The favorite part uh, as a spectator? Yeah. <laughs> no, as, as a player. I'm sure your favorite part was the end. W- was the end of it. But I, I imagine a guy like you uh, who hates DBs and, and is as competitive as you are and, and you hate losing. I, I imagine that the one-on-ones with the be with DBs, uh, what was probably your your favorite part of of fall camp and practice, and I know they do that during the season as well. But I'm sure getting back into doing that what was enjoyable for you. Oh yeah, I love to watch it. Uh, love that period. Uh, I'm not a big fan of our one on ones because I don't I don't hear a lot of talking between the DBs and receivers. Um, I think they're too buddy buddy if you ask me, but they get after it. Um, but yeah, that was my favorite part of, of fall camp one-on-ones. I remember, um, it was one year, it was 05, it was 05. And, uh, I thought about this because I saw a lot of scouts yesterday at practice. I don't know what they're looking for in the first practice, uh, with no pads, but I remember fall camp, it was on the baseball field and this was, the, the year that we felt like Jason Allen was going to come out. And Jason Allen and I always had a battle for the king of Alabama. We both were from Alabama. We would go up against each other in one-on-ones, and whoever won a certain rep, we would brag about who was the real king of Alabama. And I remember it was one fall camp day on the baseball field, and there was a lot of NFL scouts around. And me being the trash talker that I am, especially like with my with my guys, my teammates. I said, Jay Allen, this is the day, man. You don't want to go up against me. I don't want you, I don't want to cost you money today. So how about you find another receiver to go up against? Because <laughs> you don't want this today. There's too many scouts here. I want you to look good as possible because I want you to go get paid. Don't guard me today, Jay Allen. I'm feeling good. This is not the day today. And um that's what I remember about one-on-ones going up against Jay Allen. Uh, Jonathan Heffney, guys who are talkers and have fun. Uh, you know, the Inky Johnson's not the not the most talkative um, during during the practices uh, or or during the, the the drill, but he ain't backing down. He gonna say something back if you got something to say to him. And so I just I just remember one of ones just being being the best uh, part of fall camp, and and these guys busted their butts yesterday. Uh, they they competed, but I prefer a little bit more. I prefer the ball being spiked after a catch, <laughs> like like a yeah. George Pickens. Like that, that's what I prefer. And <laughs> we were given the green light by Trooper Taylor to spike the ball on DBs after we made a, a great play. But um, that's the framework of, of this practice and what they do. They have a lot of um, plays and reps they try to squeeze in to a particular time. So I respect that. You can't waste reps by all the extra stuff after the play. But yesterday during one-on-ones, man, I was standing next to you and um, 
first thing I noticed was was Dante Thornton. Uh, he is all of six five. All of it. All of it. And he's on he's on fill out a little bit more in that weight room. Uh, Jersey look look look, look loose, <laughs> but he gonna he gonna fill out uh, as he continues to hit that weight room. And listen, he may he he may not. Uh, he just may be a slender dude like like a T Higgins or, or Justin Ross. Um, but like he all is six five folks. Sometimes you get the height on the program on the website and it's exaggerated greatly. Nah. Dante Thornton is all six four and a half, six five. He was in the slot on one rep and I think you and I were standing next to each other and he had a crossing route. So he did a good job of, of climbing the ladder, um, stemming, and then trying to break across the field to create that separation. And he just couldn't create the separation. One reason is because the DBs were really handsy last yesterday, uh, which is to be expected on the first day. They'll adjust, um, but they're really physical, really handsy. And Thornton didn't create the separation I thought he would create. And it was a good throw. It was a contested catch. Thornton did not make the catch. He was beating himself up, did some push-ups, which you, know, you always like to see, that accountability. But I was like, who was guarding him? Who was guarding him? That's a pretty good rep. In space versus a guy that's talked about being as fast as Jalen Hyatt with his athletic ability. And they don't have the the, the the names on a helmet on the front like they like they used to with different regimes and certainly my regime did the same thing. So you gotta wait till they turn around and their name is on the back of their jersey. And so this player turned around and I was shocked. I was flabbergasted. I was like, what? It was Jalen McCullough. <laughs> and I'm not saying that to to put down Jalen McCullough. I'm saying it to lift Jalen McCullough and give him some praise because I was not expecting that type of coverage from a safety on a guy like Dante Thornton, especially when you hear some of the weaknesses that McCullough has had during his career. McCullough did a really good job guarding uh, Thornton in space on that particular route. Now, it's one rep. It's one rep, not in pads. What's going to happen when there's – linebackers in a defensive line and maybe your 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 vision um is not as clean and maybe there's a a run fake and you got support and maybe you buy like you're guarding the slide you don't know his responsibilities when it's 11 on 11 but just that rep versus one of the best athletes i think on the team i thought Jalen mccullough did a really good job uh in space so i, I noticed that uh, I'm, not, I'm just spitting out things I noticed, Ben. Um, Please that's, do. That's, that's what we want. Give stood, the people what they want, Swaino. Yeah, that stood out. So last year, during um, the, the first scrimmage at Neyland Stadium, the thing I noticed and, and kind of came back here and came back on Joshua Swain and really highlighted was how Hendon Hooker, when the players were entering Neyland Stadium from the south end zone, they would walk down from the complex and then walk in through the uh, where the visitors come out. And Hendon was standing by the goalpost. 
So, like, you can't come on the field unless you walk past the goalpost. But Hendon was kind of there first. And that's that's why I was standing. I gave Hendon a high five. What's up, man? And uh, Hendon got got into practice mode. And Hendon welcomed everybody on the football team to the practice field. Like, addressed everybody. um, High five. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Every single player on on the football team. And then they met right there in the end zone. And Hendon addressed the team before practice started. And I thought about that, Ben, because you mentioned Joe Milton and Jalen McCullough doing the same thing. What we have, folks, what we have, ladies and gentlemen, is the start of a trend, start of traditions. And this is what makes college football so great. You have all these traditions, and sometimes there's so many to – to remember, but there's big traditions here in Tennessee. It's walking to the T. It's it's you know running th- walking through the tea, but running through the T. It's the Vol Walk. Uh, it's the Tennessee Walking Horse. There's so many traditions. I, mean, I was watching you and Patrick Brown on the Vol Two Four Seven uh, doing your uh, No Huddle four minute talk after practice, and I walked past that very area on my way uh, outside of practice. But that's the, the Letterman's area where everybody that played sports at Tennessee, uh, their name is carved into stone. Well, at the start of Vol Walk, when I played, it started there from the complex. And one thing we did was when we walked past that stone, we rubbed our hand or finger against that stone as we were walking by. That was our tradition. But now that's no longer tradition because the fall walk is not that long. But there's always traditions with college athletic, especially college football. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what we are seeing now is a tradition. We've seen the torch being passed from a Hendon Hooker to a Joe Milton. And he's doing the same things that Hendon did last year with addressing the team before practice. I'll give you another example of a torch being passed. And I don't have a problem at all with this player getting the credit that he is getting because of the work that he's put in and the great season that he had last year. But, you know, Jalen Hyatt, um, you know, Squirrel White was talking about how you know Jalen kind of started a, a trend by how hard he works. And when he's talked to the media, well, Squirrel White wasn't here when said Tillman and Valus Jones put that work in leading up to Heupel's first season during the summer. And that's why they had big seasons. And Jalen Hyatt in 2021 didn't have the great greatest season. But notice how those dudes worked during the summer, got themselves in a position to get drafted. Valus was drafted. Said was one of the best run, uh, receivers in the country coming back. Jalen noticed that and saw the result, and then last summer, no one came close to outworking him. Caught 15,000 balls uh, during the summers on the jug machine. And so when Squirrel came in, he saw Jalen. He saw Jalen. And so that's why he said that Jalen kind of started that trend, but Jalen saw that from Bayless Jones and Tillman. Now, that torch, who has it been passed to, Ben? And you just said it in our first segment. Ramel Keaton. Ramel Keaton. 
and it, and it and I I do want to say it's not just Ramel Keaton. It it's like everybody in that receiver room. Like you hear about Brew McCoy putting in a a ton of work. You you hear about Ramel Keaton doing it. You hear about Dante Thornton doing it, and and so on and and so on. So there's a couple of guys that the veterans and and the go to players you hear the most about, but because of the last two receiver rooms and and the guys that you just mentioned, this receiver room as a whole is all putting in work. And and I think you're seeing it on the field. Standards are being created from team to team, but standards are being created inside of position rooms. Quarterback, you see it with Hendon passing it over to Joe Milton. You're seeing it at wide receiver. And that's what wide receiver U was about and is about and we're getting back to that, but it's about passing that torch at linebacker. I mean, there were torches being passed. Um, it was passed to, to Kevin Barnett from, from someone. Al Wilson passed it to, to guys like, you know, Eric Westmoreland and, um, you know, Eddie Moore. And then it was passed to uh, Kevin Barnett and then Simon and throw in draw Mayo. Like that's what happens at championship programs is there's a standard at certain positions, and then the torch gets passed from one great player to the next great player. And you're seeing it clearly at the quarterback position, and you're seeing it clearly at the receiver position. Now you just have to do it at, at the other positions. Hopefully, and I'm a little disappointed Gerald Mincy wasn't working with the ones, but hopefully Darnell Wright has passed that torch to a tackle that's going to See how Darnell uh, Darnell Wright handled his business last year. Be motivated, inspired, go about their business the same way Darnell Wright did last year, have a great season, and then pass that torch on to maybe a freshman that's currently on the team or incoming freshman like a, a a Warren Bennett, someone like that. But the more examples you have, of the torch being passed from one great player to the next great player inside of a room, the more you can have that with your position groups on your team, your team is going to be really, really, really good. So, and you you have seen that on the O line, Swain, with with it being handed down from Jerome Carvin to Cooper Mays and Javante Spragans. Like you, you've seen it on the interior of the line, and like you just said, hopefully you end up seeing it at the tackle position, um, but. Jerome Carvin was an excellent leader. I asked Cooper Mays about stepping into the leadership role during Tennessee Media Day on Tuesday, and he said, like, last year it was kind of Jerome's room, and he was the one doing most of the talking, and now it's his responsibility to do so. He He's kind of taken the reins, and anybody who has ever heard Cooper Mays talks knows that he's kind of a natural leader. Yeah. You can tell that he he just leads naturally and has those natural instincts to do it but he he said like he's taking what he learned from Jerome and and he's implementing it into his room along with Spragans and and then I do think Ali Lane has a a bigger voice within the room than people realize Uh, there's a lot of guys you you talk to the to the freshmen that that are coming in this year Uh, Aiden Bustle talked yesterday and Aiden Bustle is a freshman offensive lineman playing either guard spot guard spot mostly left guard, and he said that a guy that he's really leaning on is Ali Lane. So you, you are seeing it in the room, 
on the inside of the line. Uh, and I'm sure that that also trickles out to the tackles as well, right? Like hearing Spragans and, and hearing Cooper and, and hearing Ollie Lane. But you would, to your point, would like to see a direct correlation from Darnell Wright to um, Gerald Mincy to Jeremiah Crawford to even John Campbell, the, the transfer from Miami. Look at uh, look at other schools, man. You know, you look at your Georgias and your Alabamas, and I know a lot of people are in football mode right now. And the last thing you want to do is hear anything nice about the teams you're trying to beat here in a couple of weeks. But that's what we're trying to that's what we're trying to be. I mean, there's no secret. Every program in the country is trying to chase Alabama and Georgia. But you go look at the individual rooms, like. Stetson Bennett has done something that now the next quarterback will try to do. Um, they've they've had that on the defensive side of the football, whether it's defensive end or defensive tackle, linebacker, DB, safety, corner, doesn't matter. Like they've they've had that type of torch passing going on. And they'll they'll have it at tight end, that's for sure. Uh they've had it also at running back. Um receiver, I don't know about that, but they they definitely had it at those other positions, um, and and that's what we're trying to do here. All right, another thing that stood out, Ben, was um, did you see Andre Turntine? I did. He he was somebody that uh, Patrick Brown and and I were uh, talking about off to the side after practice. He he was a guy that you noticed him moving around. Uh, and not just because he had a hoodie on under the pads and, and had the, the leg sleeve. I, was I that him? It. Yes, that, that was him. Man, I, I was looking at I, him I, like, yo, uh, <laughs> sir, you, they, they, they don't make different and better uh, undergarments. It was all loose and extra big, but maybe, hey, some guys just don't, don't, don't like the sun beating on them like that. I get well, it. I, I I think that was more of a they they think it looks cool. That's what that was. Okay. Because like Warren Burrell, if I remember correctly, had sleeves on, or there were a couple of guys who had just regular old sleeves on. Uh for for what you just said, don't like the sun beating on them. But the, the hoodie under the shoulder pads and the, the hoodie kind of popping out, that that is a look. For some football players that that think it, it's uh, it, it looks cool, at least to your point, Whatever. he was flying around and, and and looking better than than he did last year. Hey, you're right about that. I noticed him um, getting some getting some first team reps. Um, I remember when Meacham used to wear a loose t shirt, and I used to be like, "Dude, you look sloppy. You look terrible." Like they make the 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 tight long shirt. You need to put that on, but he liked the T-shirt, man, because what happens is, and, and I started doing it a little bit, but then it got too hot. I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. Um, but when you sweat and your whole shirt is drenched, it helps keep you cool after that point. Um, I mean, I'm a guy that, man, when I, when I go swimming, dude, I, I like wearing a long shirt because I don't like the sun beating on me like that. So I, I get it. I totally get it. And for some guys, when they got tattoos, you know, you don't want that sun beating on you because you don't want it to, um, you know, mess up your tattoos because you, you get darker, you get that tan. So uh, that's another reason, too. I'm just kicking some game today for all my uh, Caucasian friends out here. I'm just, I'm 
just spin some game out here. You might, you might not know that. I'm just letting you know. Just letting you know. That's 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 part of a reason why we wear long sleeves sometimes in, in fall camp. Guys got tattoos and they're a little bit, you know, darker complexion. They, they don't want those tattoos to blend in too much. So hey, you gotta protect them. Just just letting you know. All right, let's get to the Beatty Chevrolet text box this morning. I'm going to let you get to the text box, and I am going to dip out because I got to go watch practice number two. That's right. That is right. 865-255-03 is our telephone number. We'll say goodbye to Mr. Ben so he can uh, get to town and to <laughs> get it, get the practice. You know, practice starting a little bit, so he, he needs uh, ample amount of time to get to town. So let's, let's let Ben uh, get on up out of here and and get to town. So when we come back from break, um, we'll hit the text box. It'll be just me. And, uh, man, send them in. Send those text box messages in, those comments, those questions. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm going to know every answer because it was only one day of a fall camp without any pads. But I, you know me, I'm going to definitely do my best to get those questions answered for you. Uh, so hit up the text box. Our telephone number, 865-255-03. Stay with us, Wayne and Vip, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain Event app. What's up, fellas? It's Swain. When it comes to health, there are numbers every man needs to know, including your testosterone number. I recommend going to Low T Center. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. You walk in, take a simple blood test, and with their on-site lab, you'll know your results in 25 minutes. Low testosterone levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, can cause lack of motivation and drive. It can raise your cholesterol, cause weight gain, and loss of muscle mass. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment. Low T Center, reinventing Healthcare. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris, with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Go Vols! Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes! Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube.
All right, Swain Event Fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. It is rainy here in, in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is August the 3rd, but it is football time in, in Tennessee. In our eyes, good chance to cover this team. The media got eight periods yesterday. Ben said that that's the most you're going to see from them all season long, but that's okay uh, because once the pads are put on, you're going to have some 11-11 scrimmages that will take place at Neyland Stadium, and there will be some really good reports uh, from that. Ben mentioned, you know, Arianne Carter looking the part. Um, I don't know why I was expecting him to be like 6'8 or something, but he does look like a, a freshman that's not a normal freshman coming in at the linebacker position. Uh, it was good to see good to see him. Um, Colin Castles, I need to check your birth certificate, sir. I need to check birth certificate. Y'all see how big he is? And he can run. And he can run. So, can't wait to see how Joey Hosley uses him. Josh Heupel uses him in the course uh, of a football game this season. That's going to be fun. All right. Beatty Chevrolet text box. A lot of great things going on right now at Beatty Chevrolet. Uh, the big red tag sale, all inventory marked down with their best price on the windshield. Get your biggest savings on their largest inventory in years, up to $10,000 off. Go to the website, BeattyChevrolet.com. C-Max says, that's not why we wear long shirts at the pool, Swain. Uh, you know, big folks, like they, they, wear, they wear shirts at the pool. Ain't nothing wrong with that, but... Hey, sometimes small guys wear shirts at the pool for different reasons. I know reason for me is that sun beating down up on you. And it wasn't that hot yesterday, um, but that's one of the reasons. 865-255-03. Steph says King, uh, Hefney King of Garbage Talk, all five, four of them. Ah, Hefney was, a, it was about five, nine, and a three-fourths. Nelson from Jackson with jokes this morning says, how many black stripes got removed yesterday? I actually kind of thought it was cool, the black stripes at first. And then after three weeks and you still got your black stripe on, eventually it has to come off because, I mean, the games are going to be played. So, like, who like who really got their black stripe taken off legitimately? That was, a, that was always the question, but, like, the, the big – the, the beginning of that whole black stripe movement, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty cool because like the, the idea is you, you're earning your role. You're earning your position. You're earning your spot on the team, even though you're on the team, but you're earning everything that you get. And that's what happens in fall camp. So, I mean, I, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. All right, let's get to the phones. Swain event hotline, 865-255-03. Good morning. Who do we have with us? Swain, it's Jay, brother. How Jay, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, man? Uh, so, how'd you enjoy watching practice yesterday? I enjoyed it. You know, for me, it's yeah. all about connecting with with people and checking in with people that I haven't talked to in a couple of weeks, couple uh -huh. of months that have uh, been part of the program for for years. So, I spent a good amount of time talking to Roger Frazier, who celebrated mm -hmm. his birthday yesterday and forty four years working in the equipment manager room. Uh, unbelievable. I saw Joey Kent there. Um, and Joey and I had a conversation about the wide receivers and, um, 
Got a chance to talk what to does him? Joey think about our offensive system? Uh-huh. You know, and and kind of, and wide receivers because you know Hyatt was catching heat for it in the draft. It sounds like he's doing pretty good in camp, but what does Joey think about it? Have you talked with him? Yeah, I mean, we we talked about it. Um, the and this is a, a topic that I've brought up on this program before. I don't think Joey will mind, you know, me me sharing this. We did talk about this yesterday. Um, we got some really capable wide receivers. We uh-huh. have Ramel Keaton, who is undeniable right now. Like, you can't deny his hard work. You heard Ben McKee mm-hmm. speak about uh, how he looked yesterday. And uh, you got to understand, everyone looks good. But for Ramel to to stand out even more, that's a testament to his hard work. And he's been putting in uh, more work than anybody on, on that mm-hmm. football team, in my opinion. And so, um, mm-hmm. how do you keep Ramel off the field? Squirrel White, you mm-hmm. saw what he did in the Orange Bowl. He's electric. He's fast. He's shifty. How do you keep him on off the field? You got Brew McCoy, who's in the best shape of his life, who's tough as nails. Um, how do you keep him off the field? And then you have Dante Thornton that is a combination of Squirrel White with speed, Hyatt with speed, and then the, the length of Justin Hunter. It was six four. Like, like mm-hmm. how do you keep those guys off the field? And when you have those four receivers, how do you get them on the field at the same time? That's the question. And if you do have just three of those guys on the field at the same time, how do you take one off and put the other one in and still maintain that speed with the tempo? And that's mm-hmm. that was kind of the discussion. Is man. Mm-hmm you got to be one of the top three receivers. That's what you're fighting to, to be. So that way uh, you ensure that you're getting as many, as much playing time as possible on the football field. Well, yeah, because we usually just go three. We usually go three wide yep. and just do tempo, and we don't substitute. So somebody's left out. Yeah, there's some substitution yeah. that, that take place when there's a deep route ran. So if a guy runs a go, runs a go route and he's run like two or three of them, and uh, you know he needs a blow, taps his helmet, goes to the sideline. I've seen Jalen Hyde do that several times. But I've also seen guys run two or three goal routes, jog back, line up, and have to run the next play. So, um, I mean, I'll be paying attention to how that's handled with those four receivers trying to get them on the field either at the same time or uh, how the rotation is worked out. Swain, mm. let me ask you a bigger bigger picture question here. Um, Pac-12 looks like they're crumbling. Uh, that The... Florida State president has come out and publicly said that they're they're essentially going to leave. It's not a time. It's a, not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. I've never seen a president just come out and say that like that. But uh, nope. And the Big Twelve, they're trying to hold on, but they but they took the best group of five programs and added them to their conference. So my my question is this: At what point do you say we got to get rid of the automatic bids? in the playoff like at what point do you say the pac-12 ain't was weak to begin with but they don't deserve an automatic bid or we've taken the best group of five programs and added them to the big 12 does the group of five really deserve an automatic bid like you know if the acc loses clemson and north carolina and florida state does that i mean like at what point do you say we just got to get the 12 best teams this automatic bid stuff ain't going to work jay this thing is 
evolving daily. I mean, yeah. Um, next year we're going to get a twelve team playoff, and good luck trying to find the best twelve. Uh, I think it's going to be easy to find the best four or five, but after that, you know, how do you place certain teams in the, in their proper spot at nine, ten, eleven, twelve? Then what what makes twelve? deserving or more deserving than the 13th ranked team. So that's going to be difficult to kind of figure out, but that's, that's coming and alignment is, is alive and well, it's happening. Um, so I need to wait till it kind of shakes out. Honestly, Jay, I think the Florida state president, like we've seen, like growing up, we've seen fights in school, right? We've seen a fair share of those. And they just kind of happen. But usually the person who talks about what they're going to do, oh, I'm going to slap you after school. I'm going to slap you on seven period. You just wait. I'm going I'm to do this. I'm going to do that. They usually don't do anything. Mm-hmm. If you're going to slap somebody, you're just going to go do it. We've seen all these schools leave. We've seen A&M, Texas. We've seen, you know, uh, USC and UCLA. Like, we've seen all these teams leave their conference and go to another conference. But they wasn't barking and woofing like the Florida State president was doing or Mm-mm, Florida State no. um, board trustee members are doing. Like, they're real public in what they're going to do. So I, I wonder why mm-hmm. they've been so public, if, if it's trying to, to, to gain some, some um, you know, some leverage or, or what. Um, are they trying to create a bidding war or something between Big Ten and SEC? I don't know, but, like, I just think it's really peculiar that they are so vocal with, uh, their intentions or, or, or what they mm. don't do and all this other stuff. But um, if, I'm, if I'm Florida State, I certainly understand. I get it. I mean, they got a strong football brand, and there's programs that don't have a stronger brand than them inside of the SEC getting paid more uh, than them. So they need to be doing something. Uh, they need to. If you're if you're Florida State, you can't have Vanderbilt making $35 million more than you a year. Yeah, you, you can't. I mean, yeah. you Some, can't have Something's that. up with that, man. I think yeah. Raleigh Vol on the text box – believes that Florida State is all taught right now. They don't have a way out. So, I mean, that's yeah. that's that's certainly believable right there. Uh, I've been in fall camp mode, Tennessee mode, and I'll be honest, man, I've been fatigued with NIL talk and, and realignment mm. talk. So I mm-hmm. saw it, but I didn't really dive into what's going on in Florida State. Well, Swain, let's, let's just uh, – I think we're going to have a good year this year, man. I really do. I think Joe Milton's going to surprise some people. He ain't going to surprise me, but – some people that are maybe doubting him or uh, I think he's going to have a good year. So I, I really do. And um, I'm excited, man. You hang in there, buddy. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you for the phone call, Jay. 865-255-03. Um, one thing I'll, another thing I noticed was uh, Ricky Gibson being coached up. Being coached up either by Tim Banks or – Willie Martinez on the sideline when he was 11 on 11 and his group was not going, they were really, really coaching him up. And you, it's not abnormal to see coaches spending a lot of energy and time into freshmen coaching them up because they have a clean slate. But I have seen on several occasions where coaches have given up on a player or don't believe a player is going to – to be to be a contributor, and they don't coach them up as hard. They spend that time with other players that are going to have a better um, 
likelihood of, of contributing. It's just like your starting quarterback is going to get the most first-team reps during the course of the week to prepare for the game, and the backup is going to get a, a reduction in the reps, and then the third-team guy may not get any reps at all. But uh, Ricky Gibson being, being coached up um, individually by the defense coordinator and then his position coach, I thought uh, stood out to me. It doesn't mean that he has the inside track to start or play a lot over the other freshmen, but it's just what I saw. I'm just letting you know my observations. Um, Joe Milton is, I think, light years away from any other quarterback on the roster. And you can take that several different ways. You can take it as, oh, man, the other quarterbacks on the roster, they're not as good. Oh, oh my gosh. Like, no, I'm, I'm saying that to let you know that Joe Milton's on another level from what I witnessed yesterday. I remember watching Joe Milton throw the ball here at Tennessee in his first two years. And let me just say this. Like, watching Joe Milton throw the football is a, a thing of art. Like, if this NFL thing doesn't work out for Joe Milton, he can sell tickets and just let people come watch him throw. And I will buy some tickets. The way he throw the ball, man, it is beautiful. It is beautiful. It doesn't matter if it's a short pass or a deep pass. Joe Milton throws a hell of a ball. And it's, I mean, it is beautiful. It is gorgeous. So he's been doing this for two years. You can throw a beautiful ball and not hit the receiver's hands. You can throw a beautiful ball and it'll be five yards past the receiver or five yards um, too short or too high. Pretty balls. There'll have to be completions <laughs> sometimes. But what I saw yesterday was Joe Milton. And I was standing next to Ben, I think, when I, when I saw this. This was um, during some 707. And Brew McCoy was to the near sideline. And it, I want to say he ran a slant. And there's so many different ways you run a slant, depending on the coverage, leverage. Um, so many different ways. It wasn't man-to-man because when you run a slant versus man-to-man, you want to go 100 miles per hour because you want to catch it, separate, and then hit your head on the goalpost if you can. But this was zone. And Brew McCoy's on the outside running a slant. And so if you're running slants and crossing routes versus zone, and if you run full speed, you may be open one minute the next minute, you may be running into a pole, a.k.a. a linebacker or a safety. And so you can't run with the same speed versus zone as you would do with man because with man, you're trying to create separation and run away from the defender. Whereas zone, you're trying to find an open zone and kind of settle into the zone, even if you are running a slant. And this was the case yesterday. So Bruce McCoy is running his slant route, and he's sitting in a nice soft spot in the zone. And Joe Milton could have threw it 100 miles per hour. And Brew would have caught it because receivers are used to catching the balls on the joke machines when they're uh, 80, 90, 100 miles per hour. You're used to catching fastballs. Tight ends, maybe not so much. Running backs, not so much. You got to take it off for them. You got to take some off for them. You got to make it easy for them. You want to throw the ball like it's a loaf of bread for them so it's really easy to catch. Running backs, they run. 
they don't catch. And the ones that do catch are the ones like Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara and the ones uh, like B. John Robinson that that are treated differently than other running backs. As great as Derrick Henry is as a runner throughout his career at the Titans, third down long, you see him being taken out. Not the best ball catcher. Well, you want to throw passes to, to guys like Derrick Henry so that way they can't drop it. You want to make it a little bit easier for him. Well, Joe, the question around Joe, and there's still doubters out there, and that's okay. Like, it is perfectly fair for people to doubt Joe Milton because he hasn't done he hasn't done it yet for an entire season, and it's okay to be believers in Joe Milton too. That's why he's so polarizing, and he's kind of the, one of the biggest topics in the SEC this season. But I saw him throw a changeup to Brew McCoy. And it was a easy, comfortable throw. It was like a nice little flick of the wrist. I think he threw it with his pinky. And it still got there uh, on time, quick, and in a hurry. And at that moment, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Joe got it. He's he feeling real good. Real good. Uh, it was one-on-ones. He, he threw a crossing route to somebody. I forgot who it was. But the ball was so accurate. The ball got there so fast. You don't, Sometimes when you're running a route and you flip your eyes back to the quarterback, your head follows, and the ball is right there, sometimes you don't have a choice but to catch it because the ball catches you. The ball catches your hands because the ball is so accurate. Sometimes you have to catch it outside of your body. You know, have to have a wide catch radius. Sometimes you have to catch it a little bit lower, below your, your belt buckle or uh, above your eyes or outside your body, whether it's left or right. But this throw that Joe Milton made on the crossing route, and crossing routes are tough because you got to throw it kind of where the receiver's going, where the running back or tight end or whoever's catching the ball, where they're going, not where they're at. You got to have anticipation and throw it to where they're going. And that's what Joe did. And, man, that ball was, oh, it was right there. And the good thing about Joe Milton throwing a football with the velocity that he throws it at. Because everyone thinks, like, there's some people that think that you don't have to throw the ball that hard. Well, there's times when you do have to throw the ball that hard. And those quick screens to the outside, where he throws to Squirrel White or, or Hyatt or whoever on the outside, you want that ball smoking out there. Because... If you don't, if you throw a lazy pass out there, you're giving the linebackers and the safeties and defense more time to pursue the football. But if you have a guy like Joe Milton that can throw it out quicker, oh, that's the difference between an arm tackle for a five-yard gain and that linebacker or defender being one step slow, one half seconds late, and ripping off a big game. So you want those really hard throws out to the perimeter. And then those throws in space sometimes too. But the 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 poise, the confidence that Joe has, you can see it. And he's just light years ahead of everybody else on, on the squad. I know you want to know about Nico. Nico has some good throws. All throws wasn't perfect. But he has some good throws. But he's not Joe Milton. 
He's not. If Jalen McCullough doesn't start, who starts that safety spot? I mean, hey, Andre Turntime was was out there looking looking like a first-teamer. First day of fall camp, anything can happen. You can start having these 908 tackling drills and you have 11-on-11 and you got to be in position to make a tackle on a running back, even if you don't bring him down and whoever's playing safety is not in position he's not showing range in the passing game, then, hey, you could be quickly replaced. But right now, it looks like Andre Turntine has, has uh, made up some ground and could see himself starting starting his safety. Papa T on the text box says, the reason FSU and Clemson may be more vocal is because they are tied to a multi-million dollar TV contract. So unless they can find some fault or breach of the contract, they are stuck. This is why they are so public, trying to appeal the court of public opinion to pressure a move. Yeah, that sounds about right. They are vocal, man. Florida State's vocal. Vocal. As Tennessee fans, it's good TV, right? It's good theater. It's good content to sit back and go, whew, won't have any issues like that here. Football programs looking to tack on to a 11-2 season from 2022. It's sure good to be a part of a program that doesn't have any drama going on and watch other programs kind of figure out what they're going to do long-term. And I feel bad for those players, honestly, because it's a distraction. I don't care how you slice it. It's still a distraction. Uh, both from Riceville says really interested in the D-line group that is on the Baby Chevrolet text box. That's what it's about, folks. I've been consistent in what I've said about this team and program take the next step. It's about uh, the trenches. And so uh, Tyler Barron, we saw him as a true freshman flash. And then as a sophomore, that jump that that I was expecting, it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. And, uh, you know, last year was a nice bounce back, but I'm looking for him to, in his senior season, you want to go get paid, you got to do it. You got to be the guy on the defensive line. Amari Thomas, same. We saw him have some some really good moments last season. and um, But those two guys got to make a huge jump. And I had a third one because these are three uh, seniors, and they got to – they got to lead on that defensive line and be be the guys and throw in Bryson Easton as well. Throw him in. But pass rush has to be has to be on point. There ain't no doubt about it. I shared this on Josh and Swain. I want to say it was Tuesday. It was Tuesday. But something stood out to me from Tim Banks and him talking to the media. Tim Banks was talking about Roman Harrison. And this is on GoVoss247, the Twitter account. They tweeted this at 124 on the first. It says, Tim Banks on Roman Harrison. Roman has played a lot of football for us. Byron Young will be greatly missed, but Roman has flashed. Flash, y'all. y'all. I caught that? It's a very important word. Roman has flashed. He's pound for pound one of the toughest guys 
in the SEC. He just needs to play a little smarter. And we saw him get better in the spring with our system and play more consistently. So these these are keywords and buzzwords you got to pay attention to. When you hear flashed, when you hear play a little smarter, play more consistently, like these are words and terms you got to pay attention to. Well, when I saw these quotes, I was like, oh, okay. I know what that means. That means there's an opportunity for Joshua Joseph, Caleb Heron, Shadavion Bradley, James Pierce, with that Leo position, they're younger, more athletic, more explosive, but they're learning to be more consistent. They're learning alignment and assignment. And if if they're equal, and here's typically the rule about depth chart and kind of pecking order, or who you go with, who you ride with during the games. Usually when you have two guys, and one is younger, but the other one is older. If they're even, you got to go with the younger guy. You got to. Because you have them longer, more upside. So, if I'm Roman Harrison, I know that there's some guys breathing on my back for that Leo position. Physically, no one's built like Roman Harrison. Like, the, 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 the dude looks like a bodybuilder. But if you go and pay close attention to Tim Banks' comments, he flashed for us. He flashed. He needs to play smarter. We saw him get better in the spring with our system and play more consistently. So, man, watch for that position battle there at the Leo position. Because I think that's going to be fun. Y'all remember the LSU game last year when Joshua Joseph got his first sack of his career? Woo-hoo! Man, that ball was snapped, and he was in the backfield making a play. Had some hurries versus Florida. You see James Pierce and his athleticism on special teams. You saw a flash on defense last year. It's, It's mental. Can't flash. You got to do it every play. And Shadavion Bradley has been kind of baptized by fire like every freshman is going to be. But definitely him because Rodney Garner is his coach. And Rodney Garner lets you know, recruiting is over. (laughs) I'm not babying you anymore. I'm not sprinkling baby powder on your butt. I'm about to coach you hard. I'm about to help you be the best player that you can be. This is for you. Storm says, has Milton carry over or progress his play from the Orange Bowl? I think so. I think so. I just, I just, man, I just, I just hope he stays healthy. Anything can happen. Doesn't have to be contact. 
we saw Joe Burrow strain his calf muscle last week. Like, just you just hope that he stays healthy because Joe Milton is special. And the mental part of the game, taking the best from Hendon and putting it in his game, that's what Joe has done from mental and emotional uh, standpoint. That's what Joe Milton has done. And I think it's awesome that Joey Hawsley is Joe's, like, biggest, biggest fan. I don't know if y'all pay attention to a lot of the, the quotes that come out from the um, media availability, but if you haven't, go back and look at some of the things that Joey Hawsley has said. And then from this moment forward, pay close attention to Joey Hosley. Because Hypo says, you know, he says it's normal stuff. Right. He doesn't really highlight one person too much over everybody else. It's really like a collective unit, talks about the team or talks about a unit, but he doesn't really highlight individuals that much. And he's not going to say anything negative about anybody or anything in the media. He's not going to do it. Hopefully you've picked up on that after two years, going into year number three. But Joey Hosley, y'all, the way he talks about Joe Milton, to me, it's on a different level. The mental, the emotional part of, of the game, that's where he's seen so much improvement. He's seen improvement with his technique and his mechanics and his throw motion and his touch. He's seen all that too, but like it's the other, it's the other stuff that Joey Hosley uh, has mentioned when talking about Joe Milton. So yeah, I, I think Vol Storm that he will carry over his play from the Orange Bowl because that, that was the last game. And we really won't know if he is 100% if he's done that until we play the next game. And he does some of the same things he did in the Orange Bowl versus Virginia, which will be the next game. But I personally think he's going to do that. Uh, Louisiana Vol says, how is Joseph and Pierce looking? I do not know because I did not watch them yesterday. I did not get a chance to watch them. Um, there's two huge fields. Um, there's a lot of grass area. And during individuals, Everyone is so spread out. And so it's really hard to stand in one place and like pay attention and keep up with every single position on the football field. So I did not get a chance to see Joseph um, and, and Pierce yesterday. But as the pass start to go on and tackles can put their hands on them and these guys get a little bit tired, get a little bit sore, because everyone is bouncing around on the first day. I want to see what happens after that that freshness of has worn off. I want to see who's going to push through being a little bit tired. Who handles Rodney Garner's tough coaching the, the best. And the guys that have played for him, you know, they, they know how to handle it. It's what he says, not how he says it. But I'll pay attention to what um, Pierce and 
Joseph's looking like uh, as soon uh, as I can. 865-255-03 is our telephone number. Jennifer Morris, how many players did we get from the portal and did you get to see any of those guys yesterday? That's what I was trying to pay attention to the most. Who doesn't like brand new toys? I love brand new toys. I love toy little, little new gadgets. I'm someone that order things from Amazon. I don't care if it's something that's $5. I love going to the mailbox. And, ooh, Amazon package. Like I love new little stuff. And I think as football fans, we feel the same thing or same way about freshmen and newcomers from the portal. And so uh, I was paying attention to Gabe Julie Lolly. Um, I saw him out there, Dante Thornton out there, um, Keenan Peely. Looks like man, he might be the blessing from the portal out of everyone uh, because he brings that leadership and experience um, and skill set. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was looking for a lot of those those newcomers. You better believe it. You better believe it. Nelson, how many black stripes got removed yesterday? Even then, Nelson, guys didn't get their black stripes removed on the first day. You got to do something. I don't know if anybody actually did something for that to happen. Donovan says there's nothing that replicates a real game, but as a former player, what is or can be done within the next month to get the the, the team game ready? Or are injuries too big of a risk during fall camp? Man, that's a good question. It's always a balancing act. It's always a balancing act. I think life is about balance. You can't do too much as one thing. You can't do... can't have too, I guess, too less of one thing. You got to be a balance. If you don't drink water, you're going to have some problems. But if you drink too much water, you can have some problems too. So it's always about balance. And football is a... It's a physical game. It's a contact sport. You tackle. And the only way to practice tackling is sometimes you have to tackle. But you don't have to always tackle a person to the ground. It's about being in position with your body, making sure you're lined up with the ball carrier properly, your hands are in the right spot, your, your head's in the right spot. Um, those things that you could do while still trying to protect each other from hurting each other. They are unwritten rules as well about taking care of your own team. When a ball's thrown up high and the receiver's going up to get it, like you don't stay away from him. Let him catch the ball. When he comes back down, then you try to strip the ball out of his hand and um, get in tackling position, but you don't try to, undercut a receiver or, or anybody like that or anything like that. So it's always a balancing act. You got to do your run game with your offensive line and defensive line. They got to, they got to prepare for that. Running backs got to prepare to be tackled. First opportunity getting tackled can't be versus Virginia. So you just don't do it as much as you saw it be done 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 
Uh, I was talking to a, a former ball a couple of days ago. He was like, man, man, we used to do three a days. <laughs> we used to do three a days. I was like, man, they stopped doing two a days in 03, man. They don't do that anymore. So there's ways to protect protect your, your team. Uh, as I was coming in, it was a huge tent. Huge tent. I was like, oh, there's a party going on. No. It was a huge tent, all these chairs, and a bunch of cold tubs, fans in there. And that is for some on some really, really hot days where you have to take some breaks mid-practice. Maybe not as much now because you practice in the morning and it's not as hot, but, like, after practice, you get into that cold tub. And so that's why you have a, a team with the strength and conditioning staff, the medical staff, uh, and the coaching staff all working together to make sure that they're on the same page uh, about if a player's losing too much weight during the course of practice or um, you know, he's, he's, he tested him for being dehydrated one day and you got to take care of him the next day. Like, guys, this thing is running the way it's supposed to. You're not seeing crazy injuries, a number of crazy injuries, a bunch of surgeries and Guys missing more time than they should. It's really good to see. But Donovan, they got a hit, man. They'll do it. They'll do it. They'll be hitting. When those pass come on first day, they'll be hitting. Please believe. (laughs) And I'll be here for it. I can't wait. I cannot wait. 865-365-9200. 865-255-03. D. Cody, we know about the offensive. Uh, we know the offense has playmakers. What about the defense? Would the secondary be stronger or about the same? D. Cody. Let's hope and pray that it's not about the same. Because if it is the same, we are in trouble. Now, we don't play in the same quality of quarterbacks this year that we did last year, but we can't play the same. So there's so many guys at corner that's competing for two starting jobs on the outside. And then, uh, you know, hopefully your third corner, have an opportunity to play some, play some nickel and, and make, a, make an impact the days of two starters. And then the third corner being, three or four notches below the first two corners and not getting exposed, those days are over. They've been over for a long time. So you got to have three to four strong corners, good corners, because teams are going to put you in three and four wide receiver sets, and they're going to pick on the weakest link. You can't be the weakest link. There's so many corners, I think, that are competing, and this is what you want if you're Willie Martinez or Tim Banks, and they're competing healthy now. We were banged up a lot last year, but – um, where's D. Williams fall into the rotation with defensive backs? We saw him return some punts last year. LSU game was great. Took one to the house versus Vanderbilt in his first year here at Tennessee. You know he's going to do the same thing, if not more, in the special teams game this year. But where does he fall in on defense? As a, as a corner, as a safety, or as a nickel? We'll see. But you got Kamal Hatton, who's had a Nice bounce back uh, spring and summer. Uh, Danico Slaughter, Warren Burrell, 
Christian Charles, Brandon Turnage, Gabe Julie Lolly. Uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of guys, and that's not even the freshmen. Um, Christian Charles also has played some safety as as well too. Kevin Simon, who joined us, what was that last week? So when Ben was out, loves Christian Charles, loves him. But playing corner, man, it is it is it is mental. It's kind of like sometimes uh, watching basketball players who are shooters go through shooting slumps, and they got to mentally break out of that thing, man. And sometimes at corner, you you have a physical uh, skill set, but if your confidence is rattled, you can find yourself in trouble. Uh, that happened to Warren Braille in the bowl game versus Purdue. Warren Braille was good enough to play as a freshman for Durham Pruitt and Derek Ansley. There's talent there. There's talent there. So you just got to put it all together. Uh, Raleigh Vall, who is a freshman you expect to make a serious impact by the time the Alabama game rolls around? Man, what a question. What a question. Because Bama Week, you're not a freshman anymore. You've had enough games. That's a game where boys become men. I ain't talking about the R&B crew. The freshman that I expect to make a serious impact. That's a good question, man. I got to think about that one. I, don't, I just don't want to throw out a name just, just to do it. Mm. Will it be a, a DB? Would it be a linebacker? I mean, there's a lot of depth at linebacker now. It ain't like it was last year, the year before last. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. I might think about that one, Raleigh Ball. Because before, like, you could say a receiver. Because, you know, receivers rotate in and out. But, like, not since 2001. If you ain't one of those top guys, you might not see the field as a freshman. Mm. Tight end? I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's hard to think about. Oh, man. That's a good one right there, Raleigh Ball. I I think the easy answer might be Arian Carter. Or maybe a DB. But I I probably need some more time, though. It's hard to tell off one day of practice. I remember last year, first scrimmage while I'm watching Dylan Dylan Sampson. And I was like, yep. He's going to make some plays as a freshman. Because you saw him flash in the scrimmage. If you flash in the scrimmage... You got a chance as a true freshman. And that's what happened with Dylan Sampson. So let me let me at least get to a first scrimmage. And then I can probably share with you uh, with better confidence who I think is going to contribute uh, as a true, true freshman. All right, we'll take one last break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll get back to the Beatty Chevrolet text box this morning. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue, Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant in America. Practice number two underway as we know it right now which is why you have me going solo ben mckee is there covering practice i'm live here in the low t center studio you're listening you're watching swain event fueled by daddy and barbecue
there, Swain Event fam. If you're currently renting and just about priced out of your place, give me a call. Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897. You may be able to buy a home and have monthly payments less than your rent. And wouldn't you rather pay your own mortgage than someone else's? Hope to hear from you soon and go Vols. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss PRP, platelet-rich plasma. If you have orthopedic injuries such as shoulder pain, knee pain, Achilles tendonitis, or tennis elbow, you should give them a call. Good to be back, Jason. We specialize in non-surgical orthopedics, so we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints, including rotator cuff injuries, knee injuries, and elbow and foot problems by using ultrasound-guided injections with PRP. And this form of treatment helps stimulate the body's own reparative process and assist in the healing of damaged tissue. Doc, what makes your training different than others? I've been practicing in Knoxville for over 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. They've been the leader in this form of treatment since 1983. I also teach this form of treatment on a national and international basis to other physicians, residents, and medical students. Here in our clinic, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own PRP, which are concentrated platelets, to treat your injury. So in other words, Jason, it comes from you and it goes back to you. So you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Do what the pros, college athletes, and I have done and visit them online at trsportsmedicine.com. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, East Tennessee's leader in PRP therapy. Freedom Motors is the local pre-owned car dealer who does more for you than any other dealer around. You want convenience? You can check out their entire line of vehicles online at freedommotorstn.com. And when you find what you like, they'll bring the vehicle right to your door. That's a dealer who cares about you and your time. Shop Freedom Motors today and let's get you in your new ride. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go, Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Big thanks for for making our program part of uh, your morning. I'm Jason Swain, live here in the Low T Center studios uh right now hiller has an awesome promotion going on right now for you you're looking to upgrade or replace your hvac unit 
when you decide to make that purchase. Uh, Hiller's going to give you two Yeti Trailhead camping chairs, the Panga 28-liter waterproof backpack, and the Yeti Tundra 75 cooler. Oh, that's not, that's not all. In addition to that, two Yeti tumblers for free. Hiller's work is backed by their happy you'll be or service is free guarantee. So if you have a home and you're looking to make some adjustments, make some improvements, it's time to replace the HVAC unit, call Happy Hiller. If you're in a home and you're looking to buy a new home or an investment property, Jennifer Morris, Keller Williams Realty, that's your first phone call. Proud supporter here of the Swain event and has been uh, for years. She's helped so many Swain event listeners. Let her be um, the next, let, you, let her help you be the next Swain event listener that she has helped. All right, it's Thursday. We're not going to be back on in, until Tuesday. Tennessee last week was was able to to get Bennett Warren. Tennessee has been on a little bit of a hot streak recruiting. I think we can all say that six commitments in the month of of uh, July. I think on three and highlighted Tennessee as one of the hottest teams in the country, along with Florida State and Georgia and others. Um, anytime we get a commitment, we move to the next commitment and when is the next potential recruit going to pick Tennessee in this case it is Amari Jefferson he is the four star player from Baylor school in Chattanooga he's picking between Tennessee in Alabama. So when five-star receiver Mike Matthews made his announcement on On3 on their YouTube page, I was out and about with my family. Actually, I was in a Dollar Tree. I don't forget where I come from. I stayed in a dollar store. Stay in a dollar store. Can't wait to go back. But I was in Dollar Tree. And um, I was pushing the cart, running over stuff, hitting hitting stuff in the aisles because my eyes was on my phone. Ignoring my kids, ignoring my wife. I was locked in. And five-star receiver Mike Matthews, he picked Tennessee over some big programs. Amari Jefferson makes his announcement on the 5th. I don't know it's on a video stream, but I won't be tapped in like I was with Mike Matthews. You guys can put two and two together. Um, a lot of buzz with, with him and um, in Alabama. And I don't mind a player going wherever he wants to go. Dude, I've been there, man. I have been there. I have been in a state where players, excuse me, fans, believe you should go to the in-state school. I've been there. I'm from Alabama, man. And there's two schools in Alabama that are passionate that believe you should stay. Alabama and Auburn. 
Tennessee is just one. Georgia is just one. Florida State, they got three. Mississippi got two. Kentucky is one. South Carolina is two. And so there can be a lot of pressure that comes with picking your in-state schools. It's a lot of momentum right now for Alabama. But here's my thoughts on Amari Jefferson or any player from the in-state schools. Excuse me, the the, the in-state that that is the in-state player. Excuse me. And I remember when uh, Ty Simpson picked Alabama. And my biggest gripe with that recruitment was, hey, man, if Tennessee coaches didn't disrespect you, if you live in Tennessee and you know you don't want to come to Tennessee, Eliminate Tennessee early. Eliminate them early. I'm not going to Tennessee. Cool. Like, Walter Nolan did that. Like, we, we didn't have to wait till this commitment date to find out he was not picking Tennessee. But Ty Simpson did that. A lot of people were not happy about it. Pissed off about it. When I came out in 03, and when I committed, it was considered super early. But I committed early. Like, I was done. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't string Bama and Auburn fans along to the, to, the, to the commitment date, knowing where I want to go, only to not pick those two schools. And I live in that state. That's, that's, that's not the, that's not the, that ain't the best move, in my opinion. It's just my opinion. Recruits can do what they want to do. But I just feel like I need to say this because we saw this with Ty Simpson, Amar Jefferson, picking between Tennessee, Alabama, and there's a lot of crystal balls and predictions and whatever you want to call it, picking Alabama. And I just kind of shook my head because I was like, man, if you're going to go to Alabama, Tennessee should have been eliminated weeks ago. So that way there's not this crazy buildup. Because Chattanooga is down the street from Knoxville. Chattanooga is closer to Knoxville than it is Tuscaloosa. And Tennessee's good. And Tennessee got some, some diehard fans in Tennessee. And this ain't the first time a, a player from Tennessee has went to Alabama. It won't be the last. And at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you. I totally get that. And Tennessee going to be all right regardless whether Amar Jefferson comes to Tennessee or not. So, like, I'm not sitting here butthurt or upset that a player from Tennessee, especially a wide receiver, doesn't want to come to Tennessee and wants to go to Alabama because Tennessee going to be good regardless. This is just advice. If you know Tennessee is not the school for you, man, don't drive Tennessee all the way to the commitment date. Don't do it. 
don't do it. I'm I'm never a fan of people that tweet recruits and do all that stuff. But I do think way things can be handled in a way to prevent some of that stuff from happening as much as possible. Ty Simpson and the company didn't handle it right. So now here we are sitting on a Thursday, and there's a lot of Tennessee fans that are going to be kind of hanging on the edge, on the ledge, waiting on this commitment. And from the crystal balls out there, they're going to be disappointed because they all point to Amari Jefferson going to Alabama. But I just had to kind of share my thoughts on that one. And the recruitment is not going to be over. He picks Alabama. Tennessee, I'm sure, will keep constant contact, never know what's going to happen. But advice for all my in-state players. I don't care if you're in Tennessee, if you're in Alabama, if you're in Florida, whatever. Like, if you are in-state and you know you want to leave the state, the moment you know, the moment you know, man, you need to go ahead and eliminate that school at that moment. Do not drag the in-state school for another month or two or three to the finish line because you want to have a great announcement because it's going to backfire at some point. People remember that. And I didn't know that as a recruit coming out in 03 because I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it as I'm just tired of recruiting. I know I want to go. I'm just tired of the recruiting process. But I didn't look at it as a respect or disrespect factor at all. I'm just tired. But as I look back at it now, if I was an Auburn, Alabama fan at the time, I would appreciate someone like a Jason Swain or uh, uh, Jason Allen or Aaron Sears just saying months before, like, yeah, I'm, 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 I don't want to play in state. I'm not going there. That way, no one gets their hopes up. All right. Off my soapbox. Off my soapbox. Y'all put two-two together. Nelson, a good point. That's not about recruiting. Ain't that a first. Uh, Hobbs. He likes Hobbs as the freshman to make a serious impact by the Alabama game um, because Coach G likes to rotate so many bodies. Dude, Nelson, that might be your best point, dude, in the show history. I hope that's not an insult. That's just a really good point because last year we saw two freshmen in uh, James Pierce and Joshua Joseph, and Joseph made a huge play at the LSU game. I remember 2003, we were all making kind of a bet not the same bet that Iowa and Iowa State players are making. It's kind of like a friendly bet. All right, class of 03, who's going to be the first freshman to play? I was like, yeah, it's going to be me, man. I've been working with the first team a little bit in fall camp. And uh, you know, Beecham, he's he's hurt. And I felt good about me being first freshman. But it was Tony McDaniel, defensive line. Why? Dan Brooks liked that fresh rotation of bodies. So, I think. Nelson's going to be right. I think it's going to be Hobbs. It's going to be a freshman defensive lineman. 100% agree with you, Nelson. Good stuff. Good stuff. 
Oh, man. That is our time for today on the Swain event. Big thanks to Ben McKee for, for joining us and then having to run, go to, the, go to practice. I mean, he could have just went straight to practice. Um, but the Swain event means a lot to him. Y'all mean a lot to him. He loves getting on the mic and, and, and talking. Uh, he does a good job writing and covering. So, man, y'all know this is his passion as well. So we appreciate him uh, making, making it happen with the one-year-old. And, uh, make, make sure y'all... Appreciate Ben. Appreciate folks that do so much to cover to cover this, this program. I know sometimes the media gets bad raps. And they're gonna say things that gonna piss you off sometimes. And, I, and listen, it's their job. Don't get me wrong. But like the coverage that Tennessee gets on a daily basis is, is really special and it allows for recruits and our players, parents to keep up with the team. Like think about that. Players' parents keep up with the team better here than a lot of places in, in the country because there's so many people covering the team. That's how I look at it, big picture. So just keep that in mind. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant uh, in America. We hope you have a wonderful day. We'll be back here on, on Tuesday at 8 a.m. For Ben McKee, I'm Jason Swain. Peace. And much love. We are out.